0: Just One More with Joanna and Daphne, a fitness and nutrition podcast for normal people who want to be more awesome. If you have trouble deciding between Just One More Cupcake and Just One More Kettlebell Swing, this is the podcast
1: for you. I'm Joanna Shaw-Flam. I'm an actor, a comedian, and a normal person. And I'm Daphne Yang. I'm a certified personal trainer, certified nutrition counselor, and the creator of Hit It, New York's ultimate high-intensity interval training workout.
0: Before we begin, remember to talk to your doctor or medical practitioner before starting any workout or nutrition plan. Um, if you like our show and you want to do something nice for us, um, because you're such a nice person, uh, give us a review on Apple podcasts. Uh, it doesn't take very long and, uh, it really helps people find the show, helps people want to listen to the show if they find us. Uh, so, um, yeah, we appreciate it to everyone who's reviewed us already. Thank you so much. You've been very kind and, uh, we don't take it lightly. So thank you. And to those of you who haven't done it yet, you can, and please do. Thank you for your support, everyone. Yeah, seriously. Um, Well, today we're going to be sassy, as we so often are, um, because we're going to talk about five healthy, in quotes, ideas that we think you can just ignore. (laughs) And the reason that I wanted to talk about this is that um, ideas about nutrition and fitness change so fast. Sometimes that's because it was a trend in the first place. Sometimes that's because the science changes. I think a lot has changed, especially like... Well, really, in terms of fitness and nutrition, since we were kids, a lot of the things that I remember hearing growing up um, are just not considered true anymore. Um, so I thought we could talk about some of
1: those things um, and give you all permission not to do them. Yeah, <laughs> This is so important because there are so many things that we either grew up hearing or things that we grew up believing that are still ingrained in us today, even though the science has changed and our knowledge of the human body has changed. But we still have these notions and these thoughts and these beliefs, uh, sometimes these fears. And I think in this episode, we are going to give you all permission to um, lose some of the rigidity surrounding these things we're going to talk about. Yeah. I think sometimes the politics of it has
0: changed too. Um, you know, the politics of um, how we talk about healthy bodies. Uh, obviously still has a long way to go, but also is in a different place from it what, where it was in the 80s and 90s, mm-hmm. and that's great. Yeah, um, it's come very far. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk with um, quote-unquote healthy
1: idea number one, serving sizes. Serving sizes. <laughs> this is a big one. So serving sizes are listed on the back of something that is packaged, and uh, uh, it's just a way for uh the food companies and government companies just to be transparent about a like what's in their product and then b to just recommend something Mm -hmm. here's what i have to say about serving sizes um serving sizes are actually different for every single body for every body and everybody (laughs) like for every human body uh there's a different serving size and then for everybody there's a different serving size what i mean by this is the serving size is actually taking away our intuition and our um, internal hunger cues and it's forcing us to rely on something external to dictate how much we eat so if we see a serving size if it says um okay a serving size is one pack of 100 calorie snack thins you know these fake oreo cookies that are okay 100 calories that's a serving size so then what happens if you eat one of those? Well, first of all, no one should be eating those because they're <laughs> garbage. Like, like just eat a chocolate chip cookie at that point in time. Just go to Levain Bakery, get yourself a chocolate chip cookie. Like, why suffer through, you know, a 100-calorie pack and be totally unsatisfied? And then eat a second 100-calorie pack and then eat a third 100-calorie pack when you could have just had a cookie, but instead now you're going to morally beat yourself up because you ate more than what you think the government, society, culture, whatever, has deemed it acceptable to eat. Meanwhile, your body could have very well just handled a, a, like a, a big dessert in that moment. So the serving size is there as uh, the serving size is there. But the thing is, every human body requires a different amount of food. And I actually I'm going to just fully like go on the record and say this. I haven't looked at a serving size in years. I when I look at the back of a box, um, and I know oftentimes you and I talk about just trying to eat things that are as whole as possible, but I totally have to eat things that are or no, not half. I totally choose to eat things that come out of a package. Okay, so I will eat nuts. I will eat trail mixes. Um, You know, I love Mary's crackers like it's my job. and have I ever looked at the serving size or the calorie count? I actually haven't. It's not even intentional. It's not like I'm like, oh, I'm blocking it, so I don't look at it. This just, it's totally irrelevant to me, totally irrelevant to every human body. So if you become so intuitive with what it is your body needs in that given moment, you will feed yourself what your body needs. And if you think to yourself, oh, well, if I don't abide by the serving size, I'm gonna to totally lose control and I'm gonna eat this entire bag of chips. Well, no, you're gonna eat this entire bag of chips if you've been depriving yourself from eating the bag or eating chips or if you've been telling yourself mentally and emotionally that you cannot have this bag of chips. The second you make it in your brain that this so, so-called so forbidden food is acceptable, you're not gonna binge on it and you're actually not gonna lose the control. So for me, when I do look at the back of a box, if I'm eating something out of a package, I um, I don't, I, I look at the ingredients. I always look at the ingredients. Always, always, always look at the ingredients. I completely ignore the serving size because sometimes I need a little more. Sometimes I need a little less. Sometimes I'm starving. Sometimes I'm not. Sometimes I actually do just want kind of a nurturing snack and maybe I'm not that hungry, but I actually do kind of want it because Maybe it is kind of emotional, and that's okay, too. The thing with serving sizes, I'm not even going to say, like, oh, it's a guideline. Mm -hmm. It's actually not.
0: Yeah, it's kind of just a
1: random number. It's a random number. And in some cases, it's a random number
0: specifically chosen so that the calorie count will be what the company wants to sell it as. Exactly. I feel like everyone's had the experience of looking at, I feel like specifically drinks are this way, where you'll look back at it and you'll be like, uh, serving size however many ounces but servings per container two to, it's yeah. like who's going to drink half a Snapple yeah exactly <laughs> like exactly. you know everyone's drinking two they just want to be able to say the calorie count is lower because mm-hmm. that's how people make decisions but oftentimes, I think so I have this really vivid memory of being a a tween or teen mm-hmm. and making Kraft macaroni and cheese mm-hmm. and I always felt like I could just eat the, in, the whole box yeah. like you know and I never felt full, and I felt like that meant something was wrong with oh me. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Because I was like, oh, like it says there are multiple servings in here. I shouldn't be wanting to eat the whole thing. Um, you know, I'm bad or piggy or oh, whatever. Yeah. But now I know the reason was I wasn't full no protein. was there's nothing in that <laughs> <Yeah>. except <laughs> carbohydrates and orange chemicals. Yeah. So it's not surprising that I wasn't full. Mm-hmm. Um. Because like regardless of how many calories were in a serving, yeah. I wasn't you know
1: it wasn't filling me up. Yeah, um, yeah, serving size totally. Yeah. it was. I know, and it's it's so interesting about like specifically that box of Kraft macaroni and cheese. I also have some like memories tied around that too, and feeling like I could literally eat the entire thing. It of was course. just so good. Yeah, you know because it it tastes good. It's full of those wonderful. <laughs> manufactured cheesy powder goodness things Mm. and fake milk. And and it's designed to get your brain to A, love it, and then B, there's no protein in it. yeah There's no protein in it. So yeah. I think
0: often um, people turn to serving sizes because they feel out of touch with their intuition Or they feel like their intuition is giving them bad signals. Yes. And um, so serving sizes are a way where it's like, oh, well, if I just eat the serving size, then I'll know I did okay. Yeah. yeah. Then
1: then I'll know my choices are acceptable. Yeah. Um, We tie our morality, our our goodness, our mm -hmm. badness into the serving size. Totally. Yeah. But really,
0: depending on serving sizes, instead of listening to your gut, for lack of a better Mm -hmm. word, about how much you need to eat, it frees you from making the decision, but it uh, then puts the guilt on you if the serving size isn't what you need. Yeah. Uh, so don't trade your responsibility
1: for guilt. Right. Take right. the responsibility and then let go of the guilt. Mm-hmm. And then know that your body, and sometimes it takes a little bit of work to get to the, a place where you can eat intuitively. Um, I know for me it took a very long time. Um, and then even when you do get there sometimes things can trigger you and that's okay Mm -hmm. Um, here's a time to recommend the book intuitive eating we'll link to it and
0: our podcast episode oh yeah and our podcast Um, uh, and also uh, Christy Harrison's food psych podcast those are all good resources on what intuitive eating is and um, how you can uh, work toward it Mm -hmm. for yourself because Mm -hmm. um, it is a thing that like Um, we all do as
1: kids, but then society beats out of us. (laughs) So we as kids eat pretty intuitively up until age five. And then starting from age five, that's when we either developed habits, tendencies, that's when, starting around age five, when a five-year-old would see ice cream and be like, oh, that looks good. And and I'm not saying that there's nothing wrong with this, but this is when we develop that brain where, oh, uh, a visual of something could make us want it. Whereas prior to age five, um, there's, there's not really that sense. Which I feel is... like anyone who has a kid
0: in their life has had the <laughs> experience of them, um, like a kid under five, like grabbing a cupcake, eating like one bite and leaving the yeah, rest. That'll yeah. probably sound really familiar to parents too. Um, and I think often to parents it's like, oh my God, like I wish I could just like, mm-hmm. you know, not eat the whole thing. Um, but the truth is like... The kid isn't thinking about if there are calories in
1: that yeah, or like yeah. what someone's going to think if they waste it. And the kid is also not thinking, oh, I can only have this today because the birthday is happening today. I'm going on a diet tomorrow, <laughs> therefore I must eat this cupcake right now and then maybe have a second one and, oh my God, now I want three. Exactly. Because I'm going to deprive myself. Yeah. So the kid's not thinking that. So I challenge people to think like the, the way a kid would eat. Listen to your body. Except don't, Except steal, don't every, other steal other people's food. Don't steal other people's food. And <laughs> Don't smash things on the ground. Don't smash things on the ground. Eat your vegetables. <laughs> so, you know, like a serving size of nuts. Like, let's use nuts as an example. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to go on the record here saying, give me the fattiest, most calorically dense nut. And, that, and, and uh, I'm sure in one sitting, if I'm really hungry, I don't even know how many hundreds and hundreds of calories or grams of fat I'm eating with nuts. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I'm eating the nuts because I'm hungry in that present moment. And I always have, and this is something you and I have talked about too, I always have like a a thing of trail mix in my purse. Mm -hmm. And it's like a big Tupperware. And it's filled with macadamia nuts, Brazil nuts, almonds. I'll throw in some dark chocolate chips, um, uh, sometimes cashews. And it's just always in there. And I refill it when it's starting to get empty. And the beauty of intuitive eating is that when I am hungry and if I need some ha- a handful, two handfuls, multiple handfuls. It depends on how hungry I am. I just, I will, I, I will eat them and honor my hunger. And then you finish eating them and then you don't think about them afterwards. Like calorically, was it maybe a lot for sure? Is that an issue? Not at all. Like, you listen to what your body needs, and also you listen to your own hunger and satiety cues, and it's the most liberating thing. Because if I were to have looked at a package and said, oh, gosh, a serving size is only eight almonds, if I'm really hungry, I'm not just going to eat eight almonds and then put the rest of the nuts away because uh, it said so on a package. Caveman and cavewoman, we're not going around trying to monitor and limit and calculate and measure their food caveman and cavewoman were not designed to do that and therefore we as human beings we are not designed to do that we as human beings are just designed to eat when we're hungry and we're designed to not eat when we're full and we as human beings are are in this new environment where it's so different now and we are not equipped to navigate the amount of choices we have, and the culture, and we're not equipped to handle the serving sizes, we're not equipped to handle all the disorder that comes around the food industry now. So my little summary of serving sizes is when it comes to food, honor your hunger. Honor your hunger, enjoy your food, eat when you're hungry, eat what you want when you're hungry, Eat how much of it you want because everybody is different. Everybody is different. Your hunger is going to be different at different points in time of the day, the week, your life. Um, you don't need to eat the same things every single day. If you move more, you might be hungrier. If you move less, you might be less hungry. You don't need to force yourself to eat the same thing every single day. Um, and to start to develop an intuitive relationship with your body's hunger cues and, to, and, and I challenge people to actually ignore serving sizes. I'm, I'm going to be yeah. bold. I'm going to say that. Ignore okay? it. Yeah, ignore it. Like, I've ignored it for a long time, and, and I feel fine. <laughs> like, I feel great. It's actually um, uh, because when you, when you really pay too much attention to them, you think you're controlling your food and you think you're, like, being quote-unquote good – But really, it it has control over you, and Mm -hmm. that's not freedom. And our goal is to get everyone to feel completely free around food. Totally.
0: Yeah. All right, number two of things that we can ignore. Um, One thing I remember from watching Saturday morning cartoons when I was a kid (laughs) is cereal ads that describe cereal as part of this nutritious
1: breakfast. Oh, my gosh. Is cereal part of this nutritious breakfast, Daphne? So it depends on the cereal, Mm -hmm. totally depends on the cereal. If the cereal dyes your milk a a color that is neon, chances are it might not be the best for you. What if it has vitamins in it, Daphne? It might be fortified with vitamins. This is when I tell my clients, read the ingredients. Because oftentimes with cereal, the majority of the ingredients are sugar. So um, if you take a look at bran flakes... It's corn and sugar, like it's literally corn and sugar, um, and there are much better ways to start your day than with corn and sugar. So breakfast as or cereal as a part of this nutritious breakfast, um, I'm gonna go on the record and say that it depends on the cereal, and B, I I mean cinnamon toast crunch was my jam growing up. I could crush bowls and bowls and bowls and bowls and bowls. And bowls of cinnamon toast crunch. As an adult, you know what I like to do. Um, If you love cereal, save it for dessert. Rewire your relationship with cereal. um, Because I do feel like, from a personal standpoint, if you are looking for maybe a more nutrient-dense breakfast, uh, save your cinnamon toast crunch and Fruit Loops by sprinkling it on your ice cream at the end of the night.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was just real talk. Real talk. I was just listening to the author of a book all about the Kellogg brothers and sort of the mm-hmm. creation of modern breakfast cereal. Um, and like um, Kellogg's flakes were invented for people who like couldn't eat normal food. Mm. And the idea was that they were like so easy to digest that they would basically just sort of like you start digesting them in your mouth. Oh my god! Um, and what that means in terms of like how we understand things now is that they have a really high glycemic index, which means when you eat a lot of cereals because they're so high in sugar and there's not a lot of like protein or whole grains and stuff going on, your body starts digesting them super fast, which means your blood sugar spikes and then crashes. Um, which might be why you're not feeling full after you're or not staying full for very long. Mm-hmm. Whereas some other cereals, like oatmeal, for example, has a much lower glycemic index. And there are also um, a lot of like whole grain type cereals. I like steel cut oats. Um, uh, my mom actually ha- has quinoa for breakfast a lot mm, yeah. with like um, dried fruit and stuff. Yeah, that's um, a really good one. And so if you like, the cereal feel, but you want it to be more a more nutritious part of this complete breakfast, um, there are options that give you a lot more bang per spoonful um, in terms of keeping you full longer,
1: um, getting more
0: nutrients,
1: all that stuff. Yeah, oftentimes cereal doesn't have very much protein. I know the Kashi brand is probably a little bit better in terms of cereal choices. Um, even pay attention to the ingredients in store-bought granolas. Um, but I totally like, oh my gosh, some like steel cut oatmeal with some peanut butter and banana. Like, that's amazing. I love the idea of doing like a a quinoa for breakfast. I actually remember having, um, at a friend's brunch, like a big quinoa and egg and tomato and scallion scramble. And Mm. that was delicious. So there are so many ways to get that feel. Or you could do quinoa, but make it, like, on the sweeter side, depending Mm. on whether you're a savory or a sweet person. For breakfast, I'm definitely a sweet person. And I a savory person. Yeah, so together you and I complement each other perfectly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We can throw an amazing epic brunch party. (laughs) Yeah, but we always have to make two different breakfasts. Yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, If your kid will only eat cereal, we get
1: it. Yeah, yeah.
0: that's fine that's a hard thing and like I know that parents often feel a lot of pressure about what they feed their kids and like feeding your kids can be hard and do what you need to do totally Um, totally but in terms of like decisions that you're making for yourself as an adult or like decisions about what you want to have around for your
1: kid to pick from Mm -hmm. um cereal maybe not yeah, Number one choice. Yeah, there are better things to do or better brands of cereal to buy. Always pay attention to, not the nutrition facts, the ingredients. Mm-hmm. The ingredients. If there is a lot of added sugar and if there are a lot of dyes and chemicals in it, then just go ahead and just don't buy it. And then, like, hey, it's all about balance, right? If you love Cinnamon <laughs> Toast Crunch, if you love Fruit Loops, it's a big trend right now to have those on ice cream anyways or, like, also, on your froyo. Like, just just, just eat that. That's like,
0: what grandma's house is for. That's what grandma's house is we for. We used to love at my grandmother's <laughs> house, she would always have those mini boxes of cereal because she oh, didn't keep it around yeah. for herself, but
1: then she would buy the mini yeah. boxes for when we visited. Aww. So fun. Yeah, super uh-huh. fun. Yeah, and that's what, like, like going to a really good continental hotel breakfast when they have, like, the little cereal boxes. It's cute. Yeah. Would I personally eat that on a daily basis? No, but it's because I love the breakfast that I eat. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, and and then we can save those um, uh, talking specifically about cereal as a nutrient-dense breakfast food. Depends on the cereal. Depends on the milk. Uh, make sure it's a good milk you're drinking, and sometimes sometimes cereal is more of a dessert.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, number three, um, healthy ideas to ignore: cutting out carbs. This one won't die. Mm, I know.
1: If you don't eat carbs, you die.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. So in terms of carbohydrates, especially women, like we need carbs to live, and so vegetables are carbs, fruit is carbs. Whole grain has carbs. Everything... It feels like the beginning of a song to me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Grains have carbs, and fruits have carbs, and vegetables have lots of carbs. And now we break out into a song and dance da, 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 da. <laughs> So, yeah, we need carbs to live. So, um, there are going to be some people who disagree with me on this one because, you know, right now the ketogenic diet is, is really huge, and that's almost eating, like, no carbs or keeping your carbs to, um... Like a certain number of grams. I think it's 50 or under a day, uh, which is actually very little. And the thing with the ketogenic diet is it's I, I love it for these reasons. It's like high fat, high protein. You know, I'm all about like, I, I am a stickler for this. People need to eat more fat. Like we need to eat more fat. We are a fat deficient society and that we as humans are not eating enough avocado, olive oil, almonds, walnuts, fatty fishes. We need this. Like we need this for healthy metabolisms, for healthy hormonal function. Um, If weight loss is a goal, like these things aid in weight loss. That being said, sometimes it can actually be a little bit dangerous to reduce your carbs to too low. Um, It does put your body in uh, sometimes if you deplete your carbohydrate stores it does put your body into a little bit of survival mode and especially as a female and a female who is um, planning on like reproducing at some point in time like your your body actually does need carbohydrates here's the thing there are better types of carbs like there are better types of carbs so we have wonderful like you have bananas and sweet potatoes and potatoes and broccoli and vegetables and fruit okay yes those are all carbs Um, but it's funny because every time we say that like oh these are carbs. People are like oh, but those aren't, but those aren't the fun carbs. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know like like great Daphne, I can eat all the vegetables I want. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks. You How did know? you
0: get inside my brain?
1: Yeah, <laughs> so I think people are mainly thinking about the carbs like bread, rice, and pasta. Bread, rice, pasta, pastries. Um, I think when people think about cutting out carbs, like that's what they are thinking of. So here's my take on carbohydrates. When it comes to things like bread, cereal, pasta, pastries, balance is key. Balance is 1000% key. Once again, go back to your intuition. Go back into your intuition. If you do decide to attempt some type of, I'm just gonna use this again, the, the, the ketogenic uh, diet where it's just like no carbs, and so there's no bread, there's no pasta, there's nothing. It's just uh, no beans. It's just all. It's basically Sounds just so like sad. yeah, yeah. And it's like the, at least there are like lots of good. Like the carbs come from the vegetables. It's it's nutrient dense, but like you can still do that, but still have some carbs and still get some great benefits from it just by eating more fat. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I don't knock on it completely. What I do knock on is that any diet is a possible trigger and gateway into disordered eating. Any diet, any game plan, any book any specific guidelines, anything specific like that that tells you to eliminate an entire food group is a gateway to orthorexia. Orthorexia is when you have fear of a food group, when you have tie your morality. Like if you were to eat a piece of bread, you would just like die on the inside and you would just be beating yourself up for days and days and days. Um, orthorexia is just like preoccupation with stuff like that. Um, so when it comes to cutting out carbs... I, here's what I suggest. I suggest when, if you are following any type of diet plan, I think the big ones right now are ketogenic, diet, and Whole30. These are the two that I'm hearing yeah, on Yeah, and they're basis. both very low carb, right? Very low carb, very popular. Be aware that if you have any type of an eating disordered past or a disordered eating past oftentimes these things can be triggers and they can be gateways into more disordered eating um, just by trying to control, trying really aggressively to alter your weight, alter your appearance, alter your shape, alter your size, alter your form, Um, which is, you know, what I'm trying to help people kind of like move away from, right? And um, when it comes to carbohydrates specifically, I'm going to say this. We need carbohydrates to live. There are some carbohydrates that are a little bit more nutrient dense than the other ones, so the obvious statement being like, fruits and vegetables are a little bit more nutrient dense than your breads, cereal, pasta, and pastries. And I'm also gonna go on the record saying, I love going to a restaurant and getting like an awesome charcuterie plate where I have like the best French bread. I love meeting up with girlfriends and grabbing a croissant and a latte. I love, um, I love baking. And am I a bad person because of that? Absolutely not. So for those of you who are out there tying your either morality or thinking that you need to cut out carbs in order to maintain your weight or to lose weight, you know, I, I personally just feel like there's no need and that if you have a good balance, you'll be fine.
0: Totally. And like, you know, there's no scientific evidence that I have heard that eating whole-grain carbohydrates is bad for you. Yeah. Um, you know, cultures... Bread is, like, the foundation of, you know... It is. Most cultures... Bread or rice yeah. is the foundation of most cultures' cuisines.
1: Yeah. And that's for a reason. Yeah. Um, so, uh, So yeah. You don't have to cut out carbs. Yeah. I, I and, and then if we want to... Like, we can... Just a quick like tangent, and if you have a gluten allergy or if you have some type of autoimmune thing where your body just can't tolerate gluten, um, then yeah, then just don't eat gluten. <laughs> yeah, And then that's not for any like morality, that's like a basic medical thing where right. you just don't want that inflammatory agent in your body, mm-hmm. and that's fine too. Yeah, Like if you're not cutting out gluten because you think it'll make you skinny, like there's the because the, like if you cut out gluten because you think it's gonna make you skinny and be honest with yourself because a lot of people out there you're cutting out gluten because you think it's gonna make you skinny, and um, it's not, no. <laughs> like it's not. If you cut out gluten and then replace it with a whole bunch of gluten free, food like, more gluten free bread pasta cereal like it's it's nothing. You're you're coming out even at the end, um, but talking about gluten specifically, I oftentimes hear of people who can eat all the glutens in Italy and Europe and they're fine and then they can't eat the way the gluten is processed here in America because it's processed a little bit differently and they're like a little bit more allergic to it. It's a totally separate episode. I Which just want we to have, slide actually, yeah. so you can check it out. I just want to slide that in there for those of you who are gluten-free. Um, who do have, like, a gluten allergy or gluten intolerance or are dealing with some type of autoimmune... Like, my husband, he has Crohn's disease. So, really, gluten is a big trigger for inflammation for him. So, it's not even, like, celiac, but he has an autoimmune disease in which gluten is a trigger for inflammation. So, little side note and end of gluten story. (laughs) (laughs) Great. So, we can forget about cutting out carbs. Hooray! Hooray. Um, Number four on
0: our list of healthy ideas to ignore. Frozen, quote-unquote, diet meals.
1: This one, I just think they do not need to exist. I get it. Sometimes people bring them to work and you keep them in the freezer at work because, like, you don't have any other options. Here's a thing They're that's just, like, messed
0: up about our culture. Not... We spend all this time telling women that the most important thing about them is to be skinny, and then we also have this image of a woman who's super lame being a woman who brings her five lean cuisines to the office freezer at the beginning of the week and eats them through the week. Yeah. Not
1: fair. We it's can't fair. tell you you need
0: to lose weight, and also this that way you're... of doing it makes you pathetic.
1: Totally. And <laughs> because I'm sure there are people out there right now who have these in their freezer. Of course. Yeah. I mean. But they're not good for you, right? They're not the best for you. They're, they're, they're definitely not good for you. Yeah. They're definitely not good for you. The only, um, the, the reason why they exist is because, A, and, and I'm not even going to defend this. I'm just going to say it. Like, A, it's for companies to make money. Of course. Like, it really is. And if any of you out there are like, oh, Daphne, you're talking about industries and uh, no, like, I'm going to affirm it. Like, it, it's, it's a product that's created to make someone money. They know this will sell. They know this will sell because they will market it. Like, this is a fix for you if, A, you want to lose weight, or, B, you have a busy lifestyle. So I've been seeing it a lot now, not even in the lean cuisine world, but I've been seeing, like, frozen breakfasts where you either pop them in the microwave and it's maybe, like, I don't know, like a sausage McMuffin type situation. Um, or, like, a bowl that has, like, eggs. In, or, oh, no, no, I've seen this recently, too, where um, <laughs> where you <laughs> take a bowl. It's a thing. You peel the lid off, and you, you crack an egg into it, put the lid back on, and then you microwave it. I want to say it's, like, Jimmy Dean brand. And then uh, you microwave it, and then you pull it out, and you stir it. And it's this whole thing that has, like, bell peppers and sausage and cheese and egg because you added the egg yourself. <laughs> so it's, like, basically it's a cup that has frozen cooked sausage, frozen bell peppers, and frozen cheese in it that you pull out of the freezer and you crack an egg into it and then you microwave it and you eat it. Just boil some freaking hard boiled eggs and pack a banana. Like, why can't you just do that? Like, it's cheaper, way tastier. And, like, that is just so weird to me. Like, that is so strange to me. Well, and you know, I get it. So,
0: this sort of goes back to the serving size thing we were talking about before. I think one of the big um, things that's appealing about frozen, uh, like, diet meals is it's a controlled portion, and we don't trust ourselves to be able to portion our food. It is declared as healthy on the box, so we think that we can feel guilt-free about eating it. And it's easy because a lot of us don't really know how to cook. You know, I would bet that a lot of people listening to this podcast heard you say just hard-boil some eggs, and they don't know how to do that. And that's,
1: you know... (laughs) If you don't, I'm sorry. We'll teach you.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we can teach you. Um, But I, you know, cooking is intimidating to a lot of people, so I understand why these sorts of things are appealing. And yet... Mm -hmm. Um, they are not particularly nutritious in general. A lot of times they're processed, so they have a lot of stuff in them that you don't really want to be eating. And at the end of the day, like, you should be able to eat more if you want more or less if you want less, um, without feeling like, oh no, but this is how much the
1: box said to eat. So this is sort of the, uh, an addendum to item number one. I ate so many lean cuisines when I was like the first- Year of college because I thought they would make me skinny. Mm-hmm. Like that's the like literally. It says lean in the name. It says lean in the name, and oh Joanna, you're absolutely right. Like it's this whole notion of women not thinking we can trust around ourselves food and not thinking that we have any control over portion sizes. I can't tell you how many times. People say, like, I just need everything pre portioned out for me. Like, oh, I want to do a meal delivery system. I just need to know what to eat. I just need someone to tell me what to eat. I cannot uh-huh. tell you, Joanna. Yeah, I've said those how words. How many times? Yes, totally. Um, how many times I have heard on a daily basis, I just need someone to tell me what to eat. Take your power back. That's yeah. what I say to these women. Um, uh, and, you know, and myself and, and, you know, you and I, Joanna, we know and, a lot of and coaches. Men. Yeah, and men too. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And men. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that's a whole, a whole separate conversation. Although, let's that's talk about how the ones uh, marketed at women are called lean cuisine and the ones marketed at men
0: are called hungry man. I know, right? <laughs> so crazy. Women are
1: hungry too. Women are totally hungry. We don't need to be scared of the fact that we have an appetite. Having an appetite is good. It means you're alive. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, being told what to eat. I can't tell you how many lean cuisines I ate. And I was like, I'm still starving. I just ate four ravioli, but it was 190 calories. Therefore, I'm socially acceptable. Therefore, I will get skinny. Like this is like 18, 19, you know, 19, like bordering like 20. And then, I, then my brain like expanded. And I was like, oh, OK, I'm going <laughs> to dive into this world. I'm going to crack this. Um, but uh, with these frozen meals, They are not the most nutrient-dense. I know when you and I talk... You and I, like, with all of these, we've gotten pretty deep into, like, the psychology behind them. Like, the Mm -hmm. reason, A, why these products exist, and B, why these products are geared towards women who think that they have no control over food, or if we eat this, we will be skinny. Um, I'm not even going to say, like, we'll eat this, we'll lose weight. Like, at the end of the day, like, if you're listening to this and you... There's such a culture everyone just wants and it's that word like even if people don't mm-hmm. say it out loud people just want to be skinny of course first of all like let go of that like love your body as it is and and let it rest at the weight it wants to be at when you eat good food and when you move your body mm-hmm. um and b start to trust yourself around food so that you no longer have to rely on these pre-portioned out packages and c listen to your taste buds people listen to your taste buds if you're eating this lean cuisine. I know we're like destroying lean cuisine yeah. right now. We're gonna get letters, <laughs> letters. from Mr. Cuisine. If you're yeah, Mr. Mr. Lean, Mr. Cuisine, or whoever the CEO of this company is, if you're eating this and if it just doesn't taste like real food, don't eat it. Like, yeah. don't eat it. You don't have to suffer through it. Food is meant to be delicious and wonderful. And and uh, in terms of and if you are out there right now and if you're thinking, but that's all I can do, let's start to come up with some different ways. You know. Maybe batch cook something on a Sunday night, put it in a whole bunch of Tupperwares, freeze that chili, I don't know, whatever it ends up being, and just pack your leftovers and bring all of those to the office in, like, Tupperwares. I heard... And, you know, um, like, that's a good one, too. On the Splendid Table podcast, someone called in and said she was a
0: teacher, and so, and most of her friends were teachers, so they didn't make a lot of money. So they would get together at each other's houses and make, like, a ton of a kind of food and then package it all up to freeze and then that. split it up. So they, like, one night they would make, like, a million pounds of chili and everyone would go home with chili That's for so the freezer. Awesome. And the next time they would make, like, burritos and wrap it up and freeze Aww. them. So then you don't have to eat burritos until the end of time. You yeah. have,
1: then you're, like, few different things. That is awesome. We should, like, suggest that. That should be, yeah. like, a club. That should be, that's such a, like a meal prep club. Yeah. And then you get to take home different things because everyone's just cooking a whole bunch of stuff. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's such a great, great idea and be such a cool concept. Totally. So the thing is, if you are out there right now and if you're saying, well, you know, Daphne and Joanna, I have no choice. Like Daphne and Joanna, like I really don't have time. Uh, You know, Daphne and Joanna, like I have to do this. You know, then I, I challenge you to get curious about why you continue to affirm that for yourself. You know? Like, why is it that you feel like you don't deserve better?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's real deep. It is <laughs> yeah,
0: so we're gonna ignore okay. our frozen diet meals. yeah um the the fifth and last uh, quote unquote healthy idea that we're going to talk about ignoring today is one of your favorite ideas to ignore, <laughs> which is no calorie sweeteners.
1: Ah, oh, such a good one.
0: Don't do it. <laughs>
1: Don't do it. Why shouldn't we have artificial sweeteners, Daphne? They're zero calories. Diet Coke is poison. And this is coming from a girl who was a- addicted. Addicted. The second I got my license, I would, as 16-year-old Daphne, I could go and crush a, like, 90-ounce, you know, refillable 7-Eleven, or in California, it was called the Extra Mile, or like, Aww. cool convenience store um, that, like, the kids would hang out at after school and, like, sure, you sure. know park our cars there and get our slurpees and I was like oh this is diet coke it has no calories therefore I can drink it and listen to your mother's people because I remember at 16 my mom was like why are you putting that in your body? Why are you putting that in your body? And I kept saying it has no calories. And she kept saying it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. Your body, you're still ingesting it, it's still going into your system. This is not good for you. And me being rebellious teenager Daphne, I was like, I don't care. I'm going to drink it. Um, artificial sweeteners are not real food. They're still in your body. Your body still has to process them. They are toxic. And they, they f up your hormones, they f- they mess up your hormones, they trigger. they first of all they're so sweet, so on a yeah basic, they're sweeter than sugar. They're sweeter than sugar, on a basic scientific level. Even though, from a caloric standpoint, yes, they're not. Technically, they don't have any calories, I guess, but your brain, thinks, oh, Daphne is ingesting something sweet. Um, I, I don't know that there's no calorie, that there are no calories in this. I am going to pump some mad insulin right now to process this. So you drink 90 ounces of diet Coke. In my case, I was addicted to diet Coke with lime. I could, and then anytime I was at any grocery store, I had to buy myself, you know, for $1.29, a little thing of, um, either, oh my gosh, there was Coke zero. I went through a Coke zero phase. I went through a diet Coke with lime Phase Diet Coke Lemon Phase Vanilla Diet Coke Phase Diet There's Dr Pepper. So many diet like, drinks. I drank so much diet soda. I'm happy to say I'm still alive, <laughs> but like, but was I any skinnier during? Of course not. Of course not. No, I was like messing up my entire system. Um, the thing is, your brain goes, uh, oh, this person's." in uh, Daphne's ingesting Diet Dr. Pepper. It's super sweet. I don't know what to do with this, but I need to process this. So brain, okay, body, pump insulin now because Daphne needs to process this. All of a sudden, your hormones go haywire. Your body's pumping insulin, which is literally a fat storage hormone, and it's just pumping insulin even though you have no food in your system to actually like for to like process. So it just causes you to store everything that you're trying to, like, let go of by drinking, you know, Diet Dr. Pepper. Um, So when it comes to artificial sweeteners, I have a big, like, just say no. Like, I'm making a big X with my hands. It is literally the one thing that I do not believe in. I believe in balance in all shapes and sizes and forms. Go and eat your croissant. Go in, get your latte. Go get a vanilla latte. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, go out with your friends, have rosé, eat a cheese platter, put Fruit Loops on your ice cream. Have a like, regular Coke have, at the movie. Have a, if you're going to drink a Coke, just have a regular Coke and just enjoy every sip because even though like a regular Coke, of course, like has a ton of sugar in it, I, I know, not I, some people are going to disagree with me on this. I, and I might cause uproar. Because uh, we have so many millions of listeners out there that you guys are all, <laughs> we're going to, you know, this statement might garner some backlash. Uh, I would rather you just drink a regular Coke than a diet soda. I'm going to use my dad as an example. Whenever we're going out for, like, an awesome meal and we get, like, cheeseburgers and fries somewhere, my dad drinks a regular Coke. Um, because for him, he thinks the diet Coke tastes weird because it does. Like, we're training ourselves to think that it tastes normal. And I also get, like, when you, once you've, if you're used to drinking
0: Diet Coke, it tastes good to you, and regular Coke tastes different. I understand. And I know that for a lot of people, this is, like, the hardest habit to break. Totally. Partly because it's also a caffeine delivery system. Yeah. Um, so uh, we get that this is a hard one for a lot of people. You are not a bad person if you drink Diet Coke. You are definitely not a bad person. But if you're sitting there feeling guilty about, drinking a non-diet soda instead of a diet soda you don't have to
1: yeah just like drink like it doesn't need to be like a mega gulp size regular coke but just like think what would David Yang do (laughs) David (laughs) Yang would just like yeah and he's like so thin and healthy and wonderful and active and like he drinks his he'll have his coke and cheeseburger like wherever we are if we're going out like We do this thing. Like, my family, we love, like, going to the pool in California, and then we'll get, like, amazing cheeseburgers and fries afterwards. Um, And, yeah, my dad always gets a Coke because it just pairs so nicely with, like, a really great cheeseburger and fries. And does he tie any morality over it? No. Does he finish his meal, and is he thinking about any of it? No. Like, (laughs) I think that with artificial sweeteners, we think we will be skinny We think we will be doing something better for ourselves. We think we're being healthier by consuming them. You're not. And I'll
0: include some information, some supporting documents in the yeah. show notes if you're interested in learning more about the science behind it. Yeah. Because I know it is controversial.
1: Yeah. So, um, and also be aware of things like um, yogurts have a lot of artificial sweetness yes, in them.
0: tons of stuff has artificial
1: sweetener in it now. Yeah, yogurt is a big one. Yogurt has a ton in it, all like the low calorie yeah. sweeteners. And then the, the next thing to also be aware of is pay attention to a lot of... Um, Juices and waters that are on the market right now, and you'll see there are some artificial. Seltzers. Yeah, seltzers too. Pay attention. I'm like, Why are you
0: putting sweetener
1: in there? Just mm-hmm. Stop it. Yeah, yeah. So my favorite thing to do, because I love carbonated drinks, mm-hmm. is I love seltzer, and then I squeeze like an entire lime into a glass of seltzer, and it's the it tastes even better than like lime flavored seltzer, mm-hmm. um, and it's like the most refreshing thing. And then here's another thing, too. If you feel like your brain is slightly addicted to, like, a sweet sugar um, taste, and that's why you need these, like, artificial sweeteners. And, like, I I know I keep going to Diet Coke, but artificial sweeteners really are in everything. Um, Trying to wean yourself off of it by replacing it with something else is always the best way to do it. So say you always have a Diet Coke at X time a day. Maybe, let's say, 2 p.m., 3 p.m., Mm -hmm. 4 p.m. Um, This is just an example. Uh, Or say you always have... Or say you always put Splenda in your coffee. I challenge you to maybe put like a little bit of like honey in your coffee. Or maybe some agave. Or maybe some like... Just a little bit of cane sugar. I challenge you to do that and try to let go of whatever guilt or panic or fear that is happening with sweetening your tea or your coffee. There's that one. And then B with your Coke. Or your Diet Coke with this artificial sweetener in it, I challenge you to replace it with something that actually might have real sugar in it. Like maybe, I know this might sound weird, but maybe some fruit, maybe, um, maybe some dark chocolate, something that'll still give you a little bit of a brain boost, um, something that might just be a little bit more nutrient dense, and something that will still give you a little bit of a kick in a, in a caffeine sense. Like if you go for dark chocolate, um, I mean, dark chocolate's, like, the cure for everything. It's literally, like, the best thing in the world. You know, if you compare the nutrition ingredients of, like, the ingredients of dark chocolate versus the ingredients of, like, anything else, even, like, some granola bars, it's like, just eat the dark chocolate. The two ingredients are dark chocolate and a little bit of sugar. Mm-hmm. And then the ingredients in, like, some bars, it's like, and you know, 47 d- That's different... A yeah. yeah. Uh... So, yeah, start to... And I know for a lot of people, it's going to be hard to think... I can put sugar in my coffee and not Splenda. You just, can though. Just know you're doing yourself. Um, how about I say this then? Your body's gonna retain more fat if you drink the Splenda. I'm just gonna say that mm-hmm. on the record. Yeah. Well,
0: I'm gonna do a roundup here, a little takeaway. So, we're talking today about five quote unquote healthy ideas that we are giving you full permission to fully ignore. Um, and those are serving sizes, um, cereal as part of this nutritious breakfast, uh, cutting out carbs frozen diet meals, and no calorie sweeteners. You get to ignore these things,
1: guys. Do not feel any pressure to pay attention to them. You get to ignore them. I know some people are going to totally argue with us on this one, and I I'm, I challenge you to get you curious. You can email Daphne at Daphne at... <laughs> just kidding. Yeah, email it,
0: us at info at just one more podcast. Com. Mm-hmm, Yeah. We want to hear all about it. Thanks, Daphne. This is a feature called Daphne's Favorite Exercise, where we talk about an exercise that Daphne is currently digging, and then she makes me do it, and I usually
1: complain. So, (laughs) Daphne, what is your current favorite exercise that we're going to talk about today? Okay, so currently, I've been super into working the lat muscles. So, the lat muscles are the lateral back muscles, and the reason why this is on the forefront of my mind right now is a lot of people... um, I train people like in their homes, too, and I also do a lot of studio classes where... I have to figure out creative ways to activate these lat muscles that are not, um, when we don't have a lat pull down bar or a pull up like machine at a gym. So this is what I have them do instead. Joanna, go ahead and stand up for me. All right. Okay, so I'm gonna have you stand with your, that was a water bottle, with your back against, let's go that wall.
0: Cause I spilled water in front of the other <laughs> wall.
1: that'll be in the bloopers (laughs) okay so Joanna is standing with her back against a wall right now now Joanna is going to do a full on just wall sit so a wall sit is just when you pretty much just like sit in a squat with your butt your upper back and your head all on the wall. I'm frowning. You are probably already feeling a burn in your thighs. Yeah. So your legs are bent to a 90 degree angle. Your feet are about like hip width apart and you're sitting in a wall sit. This is called a wall sit. Um. Now here's the the lat pull down portion. Do hands up. Okay, okay, so Joanna just like did her hands up. Like okay, I just I like caught her. her cactus like, arms? Yeah, yeah, she has cactus arms. And I know there's a whiteboard behind you, so just like be careful with that. <laughs> okay, that's good. So hang out right here. Now lock your shoulders down and back. Okay. And now what Joanna's going to do is she's going to, so her hands are up like she's a cactus. <laughs> <laughs> Describing this at home, Joanna's standing with her back against the wall and her arms are pretty much at a 90 degree angle bend with her hands and everything kind of like touching the wall behind her. So now reach your arms all the way up until your hands touch above your head, if that feels comfortable. And then you are going to reach your arms back down until your elbows come down to your sides. And then you're gonna reach your arms back up again. And then you're gonna pull ah, your elbows I down. So this is a wall sit with a lat pull down. And this is training the lateral back muscles, AKA like where we have like the bra stuff. Yeah, um, it's sort of like b- back behind your armpits. Exactly, that's <laughs> the best way to describe it is this is this works the backs of your armpits. And my current favorite exercise, which I think everyone should try, doing three sets of 15 wall sits with a lat pull-down to activate not only your thighs, this is what I call a compound exercise when we're working multiple muscle groups in one, but it's a really cool way to work and train your upper, your lateral muscles in your upper back when you do not have access to the lat pull-down machine at a gym. Awesome. Uh, thanks for sharing your favorite exercise, Daphne. Anytime.
0: Thanks for listening to Just One More with Joanna and Daphne. Our show is hosted by Daphne Yang and me, Joanna Shaw-Flam. We're produced and edited by me. Our theme music is by Hannah vs. The Many, who you can hear at hannahvsthemany.com. We'll be back next week. You can make sure you don't miss an episode by subscribing to Just One More on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, or whatever you use to listen to podcasts. For show notes, help subscribing, and to become a patron of the show, you can go to our website, justonemorepodcast.com. Let us know what you think. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at justonemorepod, on Facebook at facebook.com slash justonemorepodcast, or you can email us at info at justonemorepodcast.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.